Okay, yes? Okay, hey, listen. We just want you to know we've been talking about editing here, you know. We don't edit. We don't prepare. We don't edit. And I don't like it. Why? Because it's, it's, it's constructing things. We want you to see so it's perfect. We just want to talk. Okay, so no editing. Go Not on. Not a thing. Matthew chapter 12. Mm. A parable. It's very parable-y, this chapter, and they're great. I'm excited to talk about them. I need some clarification. Um, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath with his disciples. They were hungry, started eating the grain. They're called out by Pharisees for not obeying the law. Yeah. Jesus' refute is where my question is. He cites individuals from the past who broke the law as justification for him doing it now. Yeah. Which is... David, he cites David. David yeah. and Moses, I think, too. Yeah. The um, ox in the mire. David did when Shoe he was bread. hungry. Um, yeah. Have you not read? Yeah. I can David. cut to the chase. Okay. He's, Go ahead. He cites from David who, when his men were hungry, they went into the tabernacle and they ate of a bread that was only reserved for the priests. Okay, why? They were hungry. They were in need. He cites Moses under the law that if you had an ox on a, on a Sabbath day that fell into the mud, who wouldn't go and rescue the ox? Who would mm-hmm. wait for the Sabbath to end? And then he says the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. By the time they got to his day and age, the, Jew, the religious leaders were like, you've got to obey no matter what. We don't care if you're starving. You need to suffer. until We don't care if your animal fell. Anything. And he cites, hey, look it. This is a law for man you know it's to help you think about god move to god but god doesn't expect you to let your animals die in the mud you know so don't be so extreme you know and they'd become very extreme to the point where he and his guys were going through and they're taking wheat because they're hungry Mm. on the sabbath and jesus doesn't stop them well that was considered threshing working on the sabbath so that that's what it was he was just showing them you have taken what is given by god for good things Mm. and you've turned it into oppression I just, it's becoming more clear to me over our discussions that the law before Jesus's time was looser than, than yeah. it's made out to seem. Yeah. Like it was looser. It was really, yeah. Yeah. And it was more to get them to show their love for God by their obedience to that law, not for the law to make them holy and not for them to serve it, Mm. but for them to show by obeying the things of the law that they really did love God. Mm. There's a difference between those two approaches. Yeah, which is like still the same in Jesus' time. It's still the same now even. Like the law of love is to show God. Yes. Yeah. I just thought it was more like... Do's, don'ts, do's, don'ts. At least back then, I thought there was like a specific like shift with Jesus that it went from do's, don'ts that are condemn that condemn mm-hmm. to grace through Jesus. It was a bit of that, but like I, it, nothing is just singular. Yes, it's like a bunch of orbiting thoughts and reasons that bring this about. Mm-hmm. You get it? So it's just not black and white. Which is more so again why this doesn't feel like it's to us because it feels like it's you have to know it right yeah there's like so many moving parts that are like really specific to them that uh, yeah okay so now keep that in mind forget what we're reading and jump out to the book of revelation okay okay 
Because to understand that book, you have to really, truly understand the Hebrew mind, the mm -hmm. Hebrew language, and the Hebrew scripture. Mm -hmm. Because in Revelation, everything that John has shown is, is in harmony with Hebrew thought. Mm -hmm. And if you're a person who's a Gentile in 2015 reading Revelation and think you can understand it like in some, you're insane. Yeah. And that's why we've had so much problem with that book yeah. is because people don't know how to understand it. I This seems blasphemous to say, but it almost feels like there could be a better book than the Bible right now that like is the mediator of the Bible to us by people who knew, know that language. You know what I mean? I do. I would agree with you if that is our source to be saved by, but it's not, and that's where we lose. We think that the writing is what it makes us. The writing just teaches us the principles. But that's why it's because we're not saved by it, that, that it would be night. It would be even more useful to have an intermediary text. And so then, what would we do if we had that intermediary text that was more on the nose and more explicit? We would have less faith. We would because it would be more exact. So what false religions have done have said, yeah, no one's getting what this Bible is saying. Let's come up with a new revelation. Joseph Smith, Book of Mormon, Doctor and Cummins, Pearl of Great Price. Muhammad, let's come up with the Quran, which will be the final testament. We like the Bible, but let's bring in what will clarify what really is meant. But the point is God wants us by the spirit to acquiesce to faith, not by becoming scribes of written words. So what it says to me is this is less meaningful in the sense, and we don't need something written, but we do need to understand what is. And it's possible because this is the only book I've studied to come to these conclusions. Yeah, I see what you mean. I, I'm not implying like a maybe I'm thinking like revelations on revelation like oh. annotations or like this just described more right well we try context. to do that but yeah. then you have to say well who do you trust yeah I've come up with revelation on revelations it's an, it's an approach it's something that people read but anybody who reads N.T. Wright or some other scholar they're gonna yeah. say yeah they disagree with you yeah. so it's really really tough yeah seekers find is the point do you think that God wanted the Bible to exist? Yeah, because I think that it's his greatest material gift to the world post-Jesus. Because the, the writings of the Old Testament are really profound. Okay. And they help us to understand what the apostles were talking about. But I do think that God would be uh, probably like... You guys are getting this all wrong, yeah. but we always get everything wrong. You look yeah. through the course of history, human beings get everything he does wrong. Yeah. So it's probably a case like that. Mm -hmm. But for those who want to use it as some way to diligently seek him and then start to see it in a proper way by the spirit, I think it's a good thing. Mm. A good thing, but something he's using as good. Yeah. Maybe not intended though. Like actually wanted it to be these books I don't know. Into. I don't know. I mean, any evangelical would say, oh, yeah, 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 these are it. But uh, we have a lot of other books that aren't included, like we've talked about and included and not. Mm. I don't know. And we also have the fact that 
because of low literary rates, literacy rates, and because of the advent of the printing press wasn't until 1500s, yeah. that all the people for 15 didn't have a Bible in their hands and couldn't read it. It was the spirit. And that today there are people in places who don't have a Bible and can't read it, and yet they mm -hmm. can still come to faith. Mm -hmm. So that's the other side to show it's not necessary, but it can be a gift if you take it in the right spirit. Mm, okay. Okay. Um. <clears throat> Okay, so when Jesus heals a man with a withered hand, <laughs> the Pharisees sort of see it as a final straw, begin to take counsel against him. Mm -hmm. um, when Jesus flees, many followed him. He healed them in order to make them not known. My question is where is where he says it, this is fulfilling something in Isaiah, describing it, and he says it's bringing justice to the Gentiles healing them yeah i'd have to look at the reference to see what isaiah meant but he's citing the old testament again matthew to show the jews and it's he's just using uh isaiah's reference there to show that he is the one doing it but i'd have to look at the reference in isaiah not yeah. this reference yeah. um i just sorry but i still don't get how is that bringing justice i don't know i i don't know what oh, the, okay yeah. okay all right um Okay, there's another picture that happens. I'm curious, um, the final line that he uses to summarize this parable, a demoniac, or maybe it's not a parable, demoniac is brought to him and Jesus healed him. The Pharisees respond to it by saying he's basically of the devil. And he says, "Why? like, if I'm of the devil, why would I cast a demon out? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, every, And then he says, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. No city or house divided against itself will stand. What I wonder is that it leads to him concluding by saying, he who is not with me is against me. He does, who does not gather with me scatters. Therefore, I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven by men, but the blasphemy against the spirit will not be forgiven. Yeah. Whoever says a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, and whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. I'm confused by that for two reasons. Why does this discussion of him proving he's not the devil first let, lead him to saying he who is not with me is against me okay do you know what i mean yeah so staying on that one okay he does the healing right cast the demon out the religious leader says you did that because you're the devil <laughs> and he's like a kingdom can't stand that's divided against itself if i'm the devil what am i casting devils out for yeah doesn't make any sense Okay, that's all he's saying there. Right. Okay, next question. No, but then why does that lead him to say, he who is not with me is against me? Because if you're not united in the oh. cause, you know, if you're divided, then it's going to cause the kingdom to fall. Oh. So you've got to be all together in this cause if you want to stand. That's the, the, the next logical thought. Okay. Yeah. And then immediately after, why does it lead him to say, but you can bla blaspheme me, but not the spirit? Yeah. That's so weird. And it is, this is another one. This is a tough one because most Christian scholars believe <laughs> that blasphemy against God that cannot ever be forgiven, ever, is if you say Jesus did miracles by the power of the devil. Because that's, the, that's how they see the context. That's what they say. Wait, I'm not understanding this. Okay. Rephrase. They take the context of all that. Okay. And they say, if you want to commit sin that can't be forgiven ever, is you say that Jesus did miracles by the power of the devil. 
That's blasphemy against the Holy Got Spirit. It. That's what they say, blasphemy. That's how okay. they define it. Because that's the context of how this is said. Okay. Okay. But if you really look at everything, okay. what's really being said is Jesus says, look it, I'm a man from Nazareth. You can say I'm born of a, I'm a bastard. You can say anything you want against me. But when you blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, whose job is to have you believe on me, and you say, forget that, your lack of belief on me, which is the Holy Spirit's job to do, will not be forgiven here or in the world to come. Mm. Meaning you, can't, you cannot be forgiven for faithlessness. Mm. The only way to be forgiven for faithlessness is to come to faith. So as long as you are faithless, you'll never be forgiven. Mm. But if you come to faith, you will be forgiven. Mm. So that's what he's saying there. And it's a long thing. It's another difficult one, but yeah. that is what is being said there. But it's, diff it's specifically difficult because of how he distinguishes himself from the spirit. Mm -hmm. That's Because like, I'm a human being. Yeah. You can say what you want about me. You know, you see my brothers and you see me, you know. Yeah. But the Holy Spirit is a spiritual factor yeah. that God is working on you with. And if you reject it and its desire to make you believe, you're in trouble. The Spirit, just remind me, it had, it was existing in the world at that point, right? It was existing in that world ever since the fall, but it existed around people, drawing, inspiring people, but it was never in their heart. Oh. Yeah. And still not in their heart. No, it is now by belief. That's when the Holy Spirit comes in and you have the breath of God, like, like you breathe into Adam. Now New, for us. Breathed into you, a believer. But yeah. them with Jesus. Not yet. Jesus. Not yet, it because it hadn't oh. fallen yet. Jesus hasn't been resurrected to cleanse the heart of man mm. and take care of the sin of the world for the Holy Spirit to be able to indwell. So at this point, the Holy Spirit is not inside people. It's this outside mm. calling them. But the Spirit did, the only time the Spirit was really talked about, in, he, it descended at Jesus' baptism. On him. On him. So it's in his it, heart. Oh, yeah, him. He, he that was his anointing of the Holy Spirit to start his ministry. Okay. Yeah. And that's a, that's a picture for, uh, like, the Spirit will come into us in that same way yeah. to start ministry of right. some form. That's right. Okay. And when that happens, it's replicated by what happened at Pentecost, which we'll read about in the book of Acts. Okay. But that's down the road. It's after Jesus leaves that that mm. occurs. So right now they are not operating by a, the spirit of God within mm. them. It's only the spirit of God calling to them and Jesus teaching them. The spirit will then move in later and empower them. And there's a big difference between the spirit being outside of you uh -huh. and governing you and the spirit being in you and living in you. Huh. Yeah. Because when the spirit is, moves into you, you then become full Adam again. Uh -huh. You become body, soul, and spirit. Uh -huh. And therefore you're empowered from within to be able to do the will of God okay. versus you don't have it inward yet if it's outside of you. It's just occurring to me that Jesus is not the one that talks about being born again. It is Jesus. He, he, talks, talks, about yeah. he talks about having... Being born again to Nicodemus. He does? Mm -hmm. You must be born from above. Yeah. But that's not possible to those people. Not yet. Yeah. So it's coming. Hmm. Yeah. Now, we say it's not possible. There's always exceptions to everything. There will come a time later on where Jesus breathes oh, on no. his apostles. Oh, 
And he says, you have received the Holy Spirit. But it's through Jesus. It's through Jesus, yeah. But it's still pre-Pentecost when the Holy Spirit falls officially that this situation does happen. So there's always little tricks in there. Could somebody have the Holy Spirit within them? Well, here's where we get into big trouble. John the Baptist from his mother's womb said he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, shit. That breaks the whole rule. But we talk about generalities in things with specifics being in the hands of God. Yeah. Sorry. You can't get everything perfect. I don't like that. Yep. I'll grow to like it. <laughs> You'll appreciate the willy-nilliness of God. <laughs> but it's far less willy-nilly than I would think. Like, the It's so one-to-one material. Oh, like, yeah. And that's why... That makes sense to me. Like, it is a complete story. Jesus, your whole ideas about Jesus, the Trinity, or oh, yeah, whatever it's called, not Trinity, um, or like even just a need for Jesus being the material intercessor of us, and then Jesus having the spirit, yes, and literally having to breathe it into someone else. Yes. Like it's so material. Yes, he's the material intermediary yeah. between spirit God and man. Yeah. And yeah. It just makes it like tighter. Very tight. But then like But there's always exceptions. Yeah. But then also not what we're doing now like i see what you're saying when it's like it should be so material right now completely if if it hasn't been fulfilled like this sort of wishy-washy it because it was so tight that's right like so one-to-one yeah just wait as you continue you won't believe it yeah so i don't know how we get away with uh being half-assed about it yeah so to me it's either do it right or see my way because yeah. the, the way we do it is just a joke. Yeah, I see that a lot. Um, okay, so, um, sorry, right after that, he has this idea about a good tree producing good fruit, bad tree producing bad fruit. It's fascinating. Yeah. Um, this is another moment where I'm, I want to ask like, is this principle written elsewhere? Because it feels like it's to them right there. Yeah. Well, one, they were a very agrarian community. They understood fruit and trees. He spoke to them in terms of shepherds and shepherding and all that stuff. Harvesting. Two, it was to them. And it's to tell them how you can tell the fruit of the religious leaders around you. Mm -hmm. You know, false prophets and, and liars. And it's a fascinating concept when he says it because I've never thought about a tree can only give you good fruit or it can give you bad fruit. Yeah, me neither. I always thought of a tree giving you both. Oh, this is a bad apple. Yeah. I'll go to this limb. But no, apparently, I mean, maybe if it was attacked by woodpeckers or something. Yeah. But just from what the tree brings, it's either good fruit or the tree brings bad fruit. Yeah. Yeah. And like then it's mixed up with the other parable about the wheat and the chaff being and like don't touch it. Let them be bad and good in one and God will take care of it. When will he take care of it? At the day. At the day. At the harvest. And what will happen then? He will remove them. And what will happen to them? They'll be purged by fire. Mm. So we have all those pictures being brought into his 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 parables look at mm. so he and this is fun, something that's interesting too he says to them then don't someone comes to you and says hey the the weed is growing beautifully but somebody sowed weeds in there too 
And should we remove them? And he says, don't, you'll pull up the good ones. Mm -hmm. Okay. But what do churches do if they find somebody who's weedy in there? They kick them out. They excommunicate them. Right. And they don't even follow Jesus' teaching. If we're waiting for him to come take his bride still, Mm -hmm. we shouldn't be doing any weeding. But they weed everywhere. Yeah. That is, I think it's the next chapter, actually. But it's so obvious that one yeah that's such an obvious one yeah like he literally describes okay this is what the parable means yeah yeah and then they'll the disciples. be and the angels will cast them and yeah but good tree good fruit good tree is to individuals yeah okay i just want to finish this i have one more question yeah. can we just go over okay um who is the queen of the south <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> Do you know what I'm referring to? Yeah. What is that? I don't know. It's I, so weird. I, I think I've taught on it, and I think there's an answer that's kind of tied to some historical thing or their <laughs> own uh, teachings and their own uh, verbal ways, but I don't remember what it was. Okay. Yeah, he th- you get that kind of... <laughs> yeah. But you won't find that in John or places because it's not to Jews. Oh. But when he does that, they'll be like, oh, the queen of the south. <laughs> you know? The queen of the south will arise at the judgment. Yeah. With this generation and condemn it. Yeah, with this generation. Yeah. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Yeah, it's sounds so like it's odd. it's pertaining to the queen who helped Solomon put the temple together, if memory serves. But I, it's Jewish history. Okay. Put it as that. It's probably spoken of in the Old Testament. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I just can't remember who it was. Okay. All right. Next episode. Okay. Bye. Bye.